Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning back into the College Age Movement Podcast. We're super excited for this week as we had Greg and Aaron McCall talking about sex and uh, they are uniquely equipped to do it. So we just hope that this is something that you get a lot out of and we're just going to jump right in uh, to the last Tuesday's message. We hope that you enjoy. Hey, if we have not met yet, my name is Evan and uh, I'd love to uh, have you introduce yourself or introduce myself to you, however that's supposed to be phrased. Um, At the end, if you guys... Uh, haven't been here before. We're super excited for tonight. Last week, we started a new series entitled Loveology, and uh, Larissa and I, my wife, talked about just the simple concept of marriage, and what we're doing is we're talking about four um, different aspects of love and how different seasons and these things can can be God-honoring and, and how God can use them, and so tonight, we're talking about sex, and uh, yeah, yes, uh, we're super excited about it. Um, we have Greg and Aaron McCall here. Can we give them a round of applause? So you guys have been a part of Faith Chapel for 19 years, and uh, Greg's on our council, and so he's kind of like my boss, sort of, I feel like. So I only will say, I will only say good things about him. Um, these two are absolutely incredible, and when it comes to sex... When we were thinking about the concept of this this series, there were very few people that I trusted uh, with this topic, and these two were definitely the ones that, that I, they were the first people I emailed, and they said yes, and that was awesome. Um, they will handle it with grace, with humor, and Greg, I think, is going to draw pictures. <laughs> so just look out, look out. So uh, yeah, this is Greg and McCall. Let's give him another round of applause. Well, that is awesome. So if I'm your boss, you can't fire me, right? Right. Okay, well, (laughs) he's left. We are good to go now. Now, listen up. Here's the thing. He doesn't know what he just got himself into. Hopefully, I won't get him in trouble. I, uh, we joke sometimes and say that we're, we're, we're good Christians who love Jesus, but sometimes we cuss a little. Well, I'm going to try real hard not to cuss tonight. I told Evan I won't. I, I promise. But I do sometimes draw pictures. And I think that's important because us guys, we, you know, sometimes we need a picture to understand things. <laughs> you girls can do it with language and whatnot. But. Okay. So I'm, I'm Greg McCall. This is my lovely wife, Erin. Hello. Hi. So we've been married 20 years almost. We've been having awesome, great fun sex for 20 years. Yes. And um, she's making me blush. <laughs> Elisa, oh, we should have practiced before we I came. Know, we should have. Um, we have four, four beautiful kids. Our, we have twins. So we sometimes our kids thought early on that we only had sex three times because then we have our daughter, our son and twins. But, um, we, they know that that's not really true. So, um, so really quick before we get going, I'm just going to pray over us and just invite the Holy Spirit to come in and just talk um, through us as we just talk to you guys about this amazing gift that God has given us. So um, Jesus, we just, we love you, God, and we just thank you that we get to be up here and have fun as a married couple that loves you and wants to honor you and all that we do, God, and we know that sex has um, so many different ideas that pop in our head when we hear that word, God, and we just pray that we would just filter it through your lens, God, and um, Holy Spirit, would you just come and anoint our words? Would you give us the words to speak? Would you give um, 
every man and woman in this room ears to hear and a heart to understand, God. And Lord, I just pray for just um, a rawness tonight with us, God. I just saw when we walked in the room, just like um, Jake was saying, that shame and guilt and condemnation and everything that the enemy would throw at us just fell off as you walked into this room, that this is a safe place that we can talk about what glorifies our God. Um, So Lord, we love you and we thank you. We just dedicate this time to you in your precious name. Amen. All right. Hey, you got the notes, ladies, oh, so you yeah, got to make sure a, that sh- I'm the little... improv guy. Oh, I, they bring me along only for comic relief. Oh, whatever. Um, I think, so this is the part where we kind of talk about, uh, we introduce ourselves, <laughs> we talk about our views, and that part? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm also supposed to be a leader here. Not real good at that sometimes. Um, I have a pastor for a wife uh, at her heart, so, you know, she... she likes to know where we're going and there's a roadmap and I well sometimes I do that you know I don't know but we have fun wherever we go don't we um you you know I think one of the things that's interesting about where we live in the world that we live in today is that there are um there's a there's a lot of conflicting views about sex you know especially in in the way we grow up um, our families, the way our, you know what our what our folks have told us, what our friends tell us, what culture tells us, what church tells us, and it it gets to a spot where you just kind of hardly know what you know what to even think, what to believe, right? Um, I, I know I know that was that way for me when when I was uh, a kid growing up. Uh, how how sex was communicated to me was uh, very different from how it was communicated to Aaron. Um, I, you know, my my folks were, it's kind of hard to say this, but, you know, like my mom was a little bit more of a hippie. She was a little free-flowing. And uh, my dad, um, you know, the first message I got was just, just don't have sex, you know. And then I got to be in a little older, about high school age, and he, he kind of, all of a sudden, he just, he just changed almost overnight. And, 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 and he ta- it trivialized sex, really. It was just... He talked about it all the time. It was no big deal. It wasn't. And, and you know, one of the things that was interesting in my story in my life, I, 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 even though I was brought up in this type of a, a world and I was still was, was going to church, you know, as a kid and getting that mixed message a little bit too, but at home it was just like, you know, it was kind of fair game. And uh, I think by the grace of God, he protected me through a lot of that because I was a kid that had the opportunity presented itself, I would have gone right after it. Um, but he also gave me a strong desire to, um, like the prettiest girl, uh, on earth, you know? And so I, I, I could never find a girl who would actually probably have sex with me because they were all out of my league. Um, so I kind of got lucky like that. Um, so that, that was a little bit of my, my background where I came from. I, I still remember we were dating in college and we went, we were staying at, we went to visit his parents and we drove up to his house, and I'm thinking, you know, I grew up in a Christian home with the, you know, this is right, this is wrong, and all these rules. And we get to his house, and his dad's like, all right, you guys, go get set up in Greg's room. And I was like, what? And, I mean, they expected us to sleep in the same bed in their, in his, in their home, and I just, I could not even wrap my, my head around that, your dad. And then he made jokes about it the whole time. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so... <laughs> 
So we, we have very extremes of how we grew up and how we grew up and how parents talked to us really did help sh- shape what we viewed sex like. So for Greg, it was just kind of like if the if it presented itself, go for it and just still, you know, want to be wise. My, my side was very different. Um, I grew up in a four square church and um, my parents didn't communicate all that well to me. My, the message that I got was don't have sex until you're married because it's wrong, period. There was not a lot of discussion about it. It was just, if you're a virgin when you get married, we will pay for it, your wedding. And it was like, whoa. And so I knew, I knew because I had a relationship with the Holy Spirit that I wasn't supposed to do that, but I really didn't understand all the whys behind that. I just knew it was wrong because my parents said the Bible said it was wrong. So that's kind of where where I grew up. So two extremes. So I want you guys to think, we're going to make this a little more interactive. We don't want to just talk with you guys. We're going to ask you questions. We're going to write stuff down and we want to pretend like we're all just talking like a big family. Does that work? Okay, awesome. Um, so, And I'm going to call on you if you get, <laughs> yeah, you right there, <laughs> buddy. Okay. I was actually pointing at the girl behind you, but that's okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. And so so there's a, these extremes. So I want you to kind of think about just how your parents and in your house, what that looked like for you. Maybe you can relate more to me where it wasn't really talked about, but you, you got the message that you just don't do it. Does anybody feel comfortable saying, yeah, that's kind of how we grew up? Okay. How many people say, we really didn't talk about it at all. It was just kind of up for it. Like, just, we're going to figure this out on your own type of a thing. A couple people. How many people feel like, my parents really did a great job with this. They sat down, they gave us a biblical view of what sex looks like, and they told us the parameters, that it was something beautiful and amazing, but it needed to happen with this context of marriage. How many people feel like they really got that message at home? Okay, so, so we have a whole range here. Well, and I kind of want to know, too, I kind of want to know about the people who maybe grew up in a family maybe more like mine that, you know, sex wasn't anything special special even from that standpoint it was was there anybody that that came from that kind of a you know and maybe you don't want to say that maybe you want to put your it's yeah now maybe never never mind <laughs> it's just me I, I was the only weird kid if you are weird you can talk to me later okay. is this where i'm drawing pictures you're drawing pictures. okay <laughs> no you guys, we do the premarital class, and so we're talking about all the people that are just about to get to have sex. So we draw pictures about what that's going to look like. We're not going to do that Well, for you. I mean, it's not like... I mean, not like completely what it's going to look like. I... That was bad. That was bad. I'm not Beep. sure... <laughs> just kidding. I'm not that good of an artist. <laughs> uh, they have books for that. <laughs> I'm sweating. Uh... All right. It is a great picture, but we'll save that. For okay, when you so the... we're going to do this one? Yeah. Okay, okay, so you guys, you know, we're 40. We we haven't been in college in a long time. In and... fact, you know what's funny about that? Really quick. Oh, when I'm sitting back there, the first thing, Evan comes up to us, and he's like, hey, do you guys need coffee or anything? You know, because it's like the, dark, the lights are down. He knows it's almost past my bedtime. <laughs> and And I'm thinking, yeah, actually, coffee would be great. That would be... But then I was thinking, you know, I had to tell him that I should probably do decaf, you know. And, and then I was thinking, ah, because if, nah, if, if I do coffee this late, I'm going to have heartburn. And then I'll probably be up snoring all night. Okay, so the, my point is we're old. No. And 
but we're not that old, right? Um, but we still don't necessarily know exactly what you guys see every single day. We know what we saw, and, and it might look a little different, but culture still tells us stuff, tells us this is what sex looks like. So that's what I'm going to, I'm going to. So what we're hoping you guys can shout out is just from a culture standpoint today in America, what would you say the view of your peers are, would view sex like? Like, for example, I'll give you like one, like just casual sex is in, like you want to hook up? Great, let's hook up, have sex, and on to the next person. So what are some things kind of like that, that the messages that culture is sending you, you can just yell them out? Have it all. Have as much sex as you want, right? Okay, yeah, that's good. It's selfish to have sex? Okay, okay, right. Just for me, what do I get out of it? Ooh, that's a good one. Transactional form of love. It just really isn't a big deal anymore, right? Just whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that was that therapeutic. It, that's interesting that you're saying that because we were asking a couple uh, people and they said, you know, I just, I, I want to have sex so I can just check out of life. Like I can just go have sex. I don't have to think about all the hard stuff going on. And that, that was a new thought for Greg and I. We, we hadn't thought of it that way. So that's interesting. Anything else? For, Identity, our identity, yeah. What do, you, what do you mean by that? When you say identity, do you mean like that's, like culture's gotten to the point where our identity is found in sexuality? Okay. Yeah. It's just what? Yeah, yep, can't help it. Are you talking about um, straight versus homosexual, is that what you're talking about? Or are you talking about just with your identity? It's just who you are. Okay, yep. Okay, almost makes rape seem okay. Right. Yeah. Let's do it, girl, I love it. Mhm. 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 Yeah. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. That's a, Good. That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying it's heavy. <laughs> Sorry, say it one more time. People are objects. No limits. Isn't it interesting that we as a culture have been fighting for sexual freedom and and now we're seeing some of the repercussions because of it. Yeah, objects. Anything else? I mean, I know we could probably go on for a while. That gives us a pretty good. Okay, so now I'm going to twist this a little bit. And You're so twisty. 
So you, sorry. So now let's let's just take that view. This is what the world, if we're going to use the little, like Christian terms, this is what the world would view sex with or like. Now let's just talk about what church culture. So I'm not saying God. I'm saying church culture views sex. Like how does the church view sex? Sorry. That's a sin. Boom, you're done. Okay? Don't talk about it. This is the biggest thing, you guys. Everybody is talking about sex. If the church doesn't start talking about sex, we're going to get in big trouble. Right? So we're here. We're, we're going <laughs> to... I love that. Word. Word, sister. We got to talk about this. Um, how else does the... What, what else does the church view sex like? It doesn't just have to be... I'm not talking faith chapel. I'm just talking about in general. Okay. Dirty, slippery slope. Love that one. Shame driven. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it is for making babies, but there's a lot more to it, right? Yeah. It works good for that. <laughs> Ooh, if you have sex, you got to marry the person. Mm-hmm. Condoms Lo- or, con- what, sorry. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Comden. <laughs> Guilt, shame. Mm-hmm. I told Evan before he started, I go, he goes, what else do you need besides the marker board? I said, a banana and condoms. <laughs> no. Okay, sure, Greg, I'll go get that. <laughs> Just kidding, Evan. Jeez. Uh. Oh, my goodness. Well, okay, so we have kind of what culture is saying. We have what the church is saying or is not saying. And we're just, Greg and I really want to get into some of our stories. We're going to be really vulnerable and raw with you guys tonight and um, tell you some, some of our past sexual history so you guys can empathize and understand and we can tell you how God's brought us through that and what that's looked like and now being in a marriage for 20 years kind of what's come of that um so we're gonna touch on what does God view how does God view sex what do you think how does get away from all the the people get away from the church get away from culture and you're sitting in front of Jesus what does he say about sex yeah, it's something beautiful. It's a gift he made. Union. Yeah. Spiritual. Did someone? Sorry. Heavenly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hopefully, you've communicated. Well, we're going to communicate that tonight. Yeah. Sure. Part, yeah, sharing God's gift of creation. Does someone else have anything? Yeah. Are you reading ahead? Are you reading ahead on our notes? <laughs> Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to be talking a lot on on that tonight, on uh, the spiritual tie that happens um, in a sexual relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Beautiful picture of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Serve each other in a very intimate way. Yeah. Being selfless, which is almost opposite of what we're hearing in culture, right? Yeah. Okay. So those are, I, I love just starting at this starting point of kind of defining where all the different viewpoints that come in and where do I really line up with this? Um, there's a lot of black and white. I mean, there's a lot of gray issues when it comes to sex inside of a marriage. I mean, we, we got questions about sex toys and positions and where you can go and all these different things that are so fun to have in a marriage relationship. But there is a black and there is a white in the Bible and in scripture. And so I'm just going to read really quickly the black and the white. Um, God created it. It was his idea. Um, it's good, it's fun, it makes babies. Um, and then it says in Genesis 2, 24 and 25, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. I love that part. <laughs> they were naked. When we first got married, we had no kids in the house. I look back on those times and I think, <laughs> what did we do? I mean, I had all these visions of we were just, Saturday was naked day. <laughs> and I, and I, we didn't do that as often as I would have liked. Really? I think we did. I think, I think well, yeah, that's the way it always goes. I didn't think we did enough, and you were like, eh, I think it was plenty. <laughs> that one Saturday. Now we run around naked, and my mom walks in the house. <laughs> you never know. Oh, my gosh. Have you ever seen that show, Everybody Loves Raymond? It's kind of an old show. That's my mother-in-law. And she just, boop, and I'm like, well, I came home for a nooner, but here you are, Grandma. Uh, if, you see my gra- if you see my mother-in-law at church, would you please not tell her I told you guys that? She'd be mortified. Um, I, I, I love that, that part, though, and the naked part. Have you heard that joke? Pastor Stan used to tell this joke all the time, so it's probably super old. Aaron thinks it's dumb. I love this joke, and I think it's worth repeating. So you, we all know in the beginning, God created Adam, And then he knew that for Adam being alone, it wasn't a good thing. So he said, Adam, I'm going to make you a helper. And so he put Adam to sleep, and and he took from Adam his rib, and he made Eve. And you remember one of the main jobs that Adam had at that point in time was to name all of the creatures that God created. And so as he wakes Adam up to see his beautiful bride that God had made for him for the first time, Can you imagine what he must have thought? There she stands in all of her glistening beauty. And he says, whoa, man. Right? Thank you. I love that joke, right? Whoa, man. That's awesome. No, this is so dumb, right? Okay, thank you. Whatever. Did you hear that back there? Cha-ching. You make a joke out of everything. I say, oh, well, you know, this weekend we're going to get my oil changed. You're like, yeah, we're yeah, going to we get are. your oil changed. <laughs> or I'll say, hey, let's go trim the bushes outside. Oh, I'll trim your... I mean, who knows? I don't know what's going to Hey, I don't beat him. around the bush, guys. He does not. I don't know. Nah. 
You know what's funny about that is she doesn't ever want to tell me her jokes because she's afraid I'm going to steal them. Yeah. And then she just. I know, I know you will steal them. Okay. So you're up here. Mm. All right. So now we get to talk about, we get to talk about the other guy. So did some of you guys go to church the last few weeks when Pastor Nate talked about the devil? I, we got, I, my kids showed me this super cool app called Shut Up Devil. Have you guys seen that? Dude, super cool. You can, like, whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're struggling with, you just put it into the little app and then go, and it goes, oh, it gives you a verse, and then it says, shut up, devil, you know? <laughs> but here's the thing. The devil, we prayed over every one of those chairs before you guys walked in here tonight, and my prayer for you was that there would be, there would be, the lies would be exposed, and you would know them for what they are, because the enemy twists something that God created to be beautiful into something that's nasty. And vulgar. And, and those lies, they don't have any power in here tonight. Because, you know, if you think about it, how the enemy, how the enemy tricked Eve and, and Adam in the beginning too, and he said, did God really say? And Pastor Nate talked about that. You know, the enemy wants you to question. That's all he wants you to do. Just start questioning. You know, did God really say sex is just between a husband and a wife in marriage? Did he really say that? Are you curious what sex is like? Everyone, I mean everyone, is doing it, right? Purity is an ancient religious custom. If you feel horny, well, you feel horny. Act on it, right? Why would God create these strong sexual desires in me if I weren't able to, supposed to act on it, if I wasn't supposed to do something about it? If you've had sex once, you may as well just have it again and again because you're not a virgin anymore. Walking in purity, you can't really do it. I mean, wouldn't your spouse maybe be disappointed if you hadn't learned a little bit before you got married? I mean, really? You don't want to show up and not know what you're doing, right? There's so many of these lies. Uh, I I appreciated um, that somebody brought up pornography earlier. And, uh, you know, porn, porn says to push the boundaries, you know, says that all of these things are okay. And um, I, I can tell you one thing, um, and you guys, getting up here, I got to tell you what, I, it is scary as all get out to tell you some of these stories. So I pray, please, let these be something that's just between us. And unless you think it could be something that could help somebody else, and, and then, you know, you, you tell them. But, but for me growing up, I, I, I grew up in a different type of porn world because, you know, email, <laughs> we didn't even barely have that when I was in college. The internet, the, the intranet, you know, like, didn't even hardly, you had to log in. Ka-ding, ka-ding. There was this, like, you know, to download a naked picture would have been like, oh, my gosh. Could have gone, dated her, un, undressed her, long, you know, it, it, you just didn't do it. It didn't work. You guys have it constantly. It's around you everywhere. Uh, but still, I was exposed to it at about five years old. I found a stack of Playboys in my dad's uh, vanity cabinet. Um, and from that point on, uh, it became a very real part of my life. Uh, I always knew where those magazines were at. Um, and I had friends that had access to those as well. 
And, uh, but as long as I, I learned, as long as I put them back in the exact same place and covered them up with the towel, that I, then they never moved. I always knew where they were at, and I could always go get to them. It was only my dumb little brother one day that pulled out the best centerfold, stuck it to the top of his bunk bed. Dad was on to us. Bam. Mom had those things in the garbage can like nothing flat, right? And so later that night, I climbed into the garbage can and went and got them out. Then they were mine. I did that. I climbed into a dumpster in the alley so I could get these things back at about probably the age of about 11. And from that point on, uh, pornography was a huge part of my life. We uh, had a satellite dish at my house, and I could watch any porno I ever wanted to, and all I had to do was kind of watch the, the, see if a car was heading in, and if it was, I just, and the only dumb thing I never realized was it was up on the roof of the house. And so every time when my parents came home, the thing was going, back to Cartoon Network. <laughs> and uh, the thing that really saddened me later in life was my dad knew all the time. You know, he just thought, this is normal. This is what kids do. This is what boys do. Um, when I was in college, my dad was the cool guy who actually... Uh, sent us movies to my fraternity house. So if a guy needed a porno, we could get it from old pops. And um, I didn't understand what that type of an addiction and what kind of control that had over me. Because again, in culture, it was telling us this is all okay. In fact, everybody was doing it. Um, it wasn't until I got married. And I tried to walk out, even though I, I had that issue, and I knew I had that issue, uh, I still wanted, I was a believer, um, but I didn't understand how to reconcile that with God. Because, again, it wasn't something we talked about in a church setting. And I'd been so desensitized to it at home, I didn't even really understand that it wasn't what God would have wanted. I uh, get married to this beautiful lady, who I'll tell you was my first. And um, I wish I could say we waited until we got married. We didn't. That was you know, that was both of our faults, but, um, but I, uh, it, I, I wanted to make sure I knew what I was doing, you know, and uh, so that was kind of my thing, but here we are now, brand new newlyweds, and uh, moved in together, living in our first apartment, and underneath the bed is my stash of magazines, and I had an idea of what sex and marriage was going to look like, and I thought it was sort of like going to happen about every 30 minutes on the hour, you know, kind of thing. I was like, okay, hey, you know. And the very first night, I remember reaching over and being like, hey, babe, you awake? And she's like, don't touch me. <laughs> never, never wake me up. It's a rule in our house. If I wake her up, she says, I'm going to punch you in the face. <laughs> and so I just <laughs> tried it once. <laughs> she will punch you in the face you wake her up. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, she, I, I, I remember getting turned down that time and thinking, well, I guess I got the old standby. And God did something in my heart that night. And he, he convicted my heart. I, I, I went and I picked him up and I threw him in the dumpster. And the next night, I leaned over to her and I said, honey, are you awake? And she said, punch you in the face. And I almost climbed into that dumpster again, just like I did when I was 10 years old. But God helped me, and I didn't. And to this day, I've never looked back. 
I know that for me was an addiction that if I even look one time, I could get sucked right back into that world again. And, and look at her. Guys, do you think I'm going to mess that up? <laughs> I mean, yeah, you can laugh, but I am not laughing about that. I will not, with, by the grace of God, you know, protect my heart. Don't let me go back there because I have watched it again and again devour marriages, ruin people, destroy them because they can't live up to that fantasy land that's not even real and it's vulgar and it's not the way God intended it to be. So that's, there you go. That's my little bit of my story. I do think it's interesting. A lot of times we look at pornography a lot from a man's world, a man's perspective and pictures and different things, but um, women have some stake in the game with this too, except for our pornography could look a little different. Typically, this isn't always the case, but typically women aren't going to go look at naked pictures of men. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I wouldn't a lot of people that I know, but pornography can look different for women. It can be let's check out um, movies that make us feel excited because of this romanticized love affair that's amazing, and we start going through this whole thing or that whole craze of the Fifty Shades of Grey. You might be opening up a book and reading this very erotic novel that is just the same thing of pornography but a little twist on it. So when we talk about when we talk about those types of things, it's not just men. We we have to guard our hearts as women too and see what are we exposing ourselves to? What are we looking at? What are we talking about? What are we reading and all of those things cuz those are going to come to into account too. So So we wanted to talk about exposing these lies. Mm-hmm. You know, pornography will heighten your sexual experience. And it's a natural thing for men to do. There's no harm in it. it also, there's a, another thing that sometimes happens in this. You know, th- there's all these things that bring sexual baggage. Um, you know, and we're creatures. God created us as sexual beings. But, and, and I, we're not going to go into real in-depth depth in this, but there is also sexual abuse that can cause can can destroy just just like pornography can destroy there's the enemy can utilize that to make it so you, you can't ever get a bond in this type of a relationship the way God intended it to be and 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 I can just tell you that there's people here that would pray for you at this church that could help um, but we're not to walk in that condemnation that's not what God has for us he has grace and love. And, and so for anybody who may have ever experienced something like that, there are people here who, who have to and, and can walk with you and, and love you and pray with you and, and help you to see that that's, that's not what God wanted. Yeah. I don't have a lot of experience with the sexual abuse part except for counseling with a few women, but... Not that long ago, I, I had a this really crazy, crazy dream, you guys. I had a dream that I witnessed a rape, and it, it, everything in me. I mean, I was sitting there trying to comfort. I was screaming out. I woke up from that dream, and I ran into my bathroom, and I just started vomiting. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like, God's heart for people that have been in that situation 
he is so, so sad. He wants to comfort. He wants to care. He wants to take those situations and redeem. And anything that's broken, he wants to bring to wholeness again. And I've never felt that strong of a feeling of what a father's heart would look like for what happens to some of his children when someone walks out in abuse towards one of his kids. It makes him angry, and it makes him heart heartbroken. And if there is anybody sitting in this room that that has happened to, then we want to pray over you because our God is big and our God is strong and our God can take the icky, disgusting, horrible things that someone did to you and he can make something new and beautiful. That's how big our God is. So don't sit here and take on any of that shame and guilt and not that secret that stays hidden under the bush Oh gosh, you guys, let's bring it to the light and let God start ministering to you and speaking to you and breathing in healing and wholeness because that feeling, oh, and I'm, I mean, even though that dream was horrible, I thank God that I can have a teeny tiny glimpse of his heart for what that would be to watch his child go through that. Okay, so we're going to, we're going to get into my story just a little bit. Um, so like I told you guys, I grew up in a Christian home. I knew right and wrong. I knew sex was intended to be in a marriage um, covenant. And I knew that my parents did not approve. And someone said up here, I don't know who said it, but someone said it's a slow fade or it's a slippery slope. Um, so my senior year of high school, I was taking the descent of that slippery slope making one decision after another that was getting me further away from God and having more fun than what I thought was fun. I'm going to party. I just wanted to hang out with my friends. All my friends were partying and having sex. And I was the one good Christian girl that didn't, that was a virgin my senior year. I don't know if any of you can relate. And the more that I rebelled against God's plan for my life, the more it didn't seem quite so bad. And so my senior year, I started dating a guy. I dated him for three years. We almost got married. He almost proposed to me. And my senior year, I decided that I was curious. I didn't really care. I, you know what? It was not a big deal. All the lies. Is it real? Did God really say that, Aaron? It's really not a big deal. You're going to be fine. And I chose to have sex with him. And that decision kept me in a relationship that was so unhealthy and so damaging. And I knew by me choosing to walk out in rebellion against what God had asked me that there was consequences to that. And I think the biggest one, now even looking back, was it put this little barrier between me and God, not God trying to get to me. He was always pursuing me. He was always chasing me down. He was always trying to love me. But there was so much guilt. There was so much shame that there was, I wasn't going to go sit in church and listen to some guy talk to, talked about sex. No way. Or anything. I was, I just wasn't there. So fast forward, I meet this guy who's my best friend for many years. And we go on the road to get married and I'll never forget on our, we talked, I mean, he knew my past and we, I, 
we actually go on our honeymoon. We've had lots of conversations up to this point. And we pull over on the side of the road, and I look at him, and it was that moment where I just had to get on my literal knees in front of my new husband and say, I'm so sorry. I am so, so sorry. I did not save myself for you. And I know that God forgave me. I knew that I had repented. I had done all the things that I was supposed to do. And he was so gracious and so good. And he had always loved me. But there was that moment where I didn't get to give that gift. I didn't really understand the why behind the no, behind the boundary that God placed until last year. Yes, 19 years into my marriage. 19 years of having great, amazing sex with this one man. And I was still wondering the why, the real, real, real why behind God's saying, listen, this is beautiful, this is great, but it belongs in this package under marriage, under this covenant of marriage, because, not because I don't want you to have fun, not because I don't want you to experience all I have, but because I'm doing it as a protection for you. So what I didn't know is I had walked through, we'd kind of forgotten about this guy. I had asked for forgiveness. I repented. I did everything that I needed to. I was thriving in my relationship with the Lord. But I was still having these really random thoughts about this, this guy. And I said, Lord, like, what do I need to do? I've, I've gotten before you. I've talked to you. I've poured this out to you. And he said, well, you know, your Facebook friends with him or whatever. And I was like, oh, gosh, Greg knew I was. It wasn't a big deal. Okay. So I unfriended and cut off every tie that I could think of in this physical realm that would have tied me to that person. And so I said, okay, I'm clean before you, Lord. Well, then I started having dreams. I, said, I woke up. I go, God, I can't control my dreams. Why am I still having dreams about this person? And my girlfriend said, have you, have you ever heard of a soul tie? I said, no. She goes, well, maybe you should read this, this verse in, in God's word and see if it talks to you. So I'm going to read this to you really quick. This is in Corinthians. It says, um, 1 Corinthians 6, 13 through 20. This is in the Passion Version. It's if you not on not, your sheets for all oh, you smart not on your kids. Um, we'll talk about those later. If you have not read the Passion Version of the Bible, oh, please read it. It's amazing. Okay, so here's what it says. Um, some have said, I eat to live and I live to eat, but God will do away with it all. The body was not created for illicit, unlawful sex, but to serve and worship our Lord Jesus, who can fill the body with himself. Now the God who raises up our Lord from the grave will awaken and raise us up through his mighty power. Don't you know that your bodies belong to Christ as his body parts? Should one presume to take the member of Christ's body and make them into a member of a harlot? Absolutely not. Aren't you aware of the fact that when anyone sleeps with a prostitute, he becomes part of her and she becomes part of him? For it has been declared, the two become a single body. But the one who joins himself with the Lord is mingled into one spirit, with him. This is why, here's the why, you guys, such, so big. This is why you must keep running away from sexual immorality. For every other sin a person commits is external to the body, 
but immorality involves sinning against your own body. Have you forgotten that your body is now a sacred temple of the spirit of holiness who lives in you? You don't belong to yourself any longer, for it is the gift of God, the Holy Spirit, who lives inside your sanctuary. That that verse, the two become one, it is so powerful. Something that happens in the spiritual realm when you choose to have sex with somebody, it joins you together with that person. That That is now a bond that was meant to be inside a marriage relationship that is now taking place outside of a marriage relationship. So when you are then separated from that person or you're not married or you go on to the next person, you still have this tie. And so I had to get before the Lord and, and say, Lord, I break off any tie that I had with this person in the name of Jesus because I don't want anything in that realm to be affecting me today. You, you guys, this was the coolest part. This is how big our God was, our God is. In that second, I could physically feel something inside my body break. 20 years later of not even having a second thought of this person in 20 years of, you know, trying to go back and forth. In a second, it was gone. I have never had a dream about him. I have never thought about him. It hasn't been this thing that's been nagging me. So it makes me think of, oh my goodness, Lord, what happens when you have sex with this person and then the casual thing and you have sex with this person and then this person comes up and we're having sex with this person and our souls are getting tied to this person and their souls are getting tied to this person and this person and not only that, whoever they have had sex with. And all of a sudden, what's opened up to us in a spiritual sense is so much bigger than what we were ready for. So my whole message of saying that is that somebody asked the question, what is, what's the why behind it? That, that's it. God designed the power of that relationship to happen inside a marriage where our souls, when, when we get to come together and make love, our souls are connecting in a way that is so beautiful and is so powerful and is so strong that it keeps us, when we are fighting and punching each other in the face, it keeps us together and tied. I have never punched you in the face. (laughs) Not once. Mm -hmm. Can you guys, does that make sense? I mean, in a way, one of the things that I've been so thankful for in 20 years of um, being married to my wife is that we've had a very, very open, honest relationship about these things. We've had to communicate about it, even though it's hard. And sometimes, you know, when she when she started crying that day on our honeymoon, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. Don't cry. Um, but she needed to ask for that. And then when she said even later in, you know, in our marriage, she said, I've got to break this. This is this is something that's happened here. I was able to be there with her and pray and support her. I, and I think oh my gosh, I was so stupid as a guy. Had the opportunity presented itself, I would have been all over it. Thank you, Jesus, that he protected me because I couldn't have protected myself. We didn't have, we didn't have a group like this where you could come and we didn't, and nobody at my church was ever gonna talk about this stuff. We need to be talking about this. Am I right? 
Because if we're not, you're, it's being talked about. And, and it's got to be in a place, too, where you can safely ask these things. You can ask these questions. Now, I know, too, Evan, did you say that there's a, there's a phone number, too, that people can, that's a thing with the texting that you do on the phones? You, and, and it goes through the intranet? Okay. I'm sorry. I'm not, I really do text. I, get, I even do an emojis. Right? I know. I am that cool. And emojis are not cool anymore, are they? That was last year. Okay. Um, but we thought, too, that, that we could talk, too, about some of the, this is a heavy, this was a heavy talk, right? And we didn't, we, we didn't want this to necessarily be a heavy talk, but we felt that if we were talking, if we were in college today and we could do it again, what would have we wanted somebody to tell us about? What, what, and, and would it have helped us? Would it have changed? And so that was why we wanted to talk to you about some of the things that we find today that can be the most destructive things that can tear apart what God intended to be so incredible. But on that, there's freedom in that. And there's so much grace. God has, just like Aaron said, it was a barrier between her and him, not him, not him to her. And, and he absolutely can restore anything that's broken. He can, he can take whatever shame, guilt, and he can say, uh-uh, no, I love you, and I'm going to make this all brand new for you. And so, and we get to have freedom in that. And so, that being said, can, can we talk about some, some fun things, too? Would we like to do that? Okay. I'm going to show you my trick move. I'm just kidding. I'm not. No, I'm just sorry. What? So we, we, we had twins, right? We got, a, we got, a, we got a, a daughter and a son, and then we got twin boys. If you ever see these two blondes running around that are identical twins, those are ours. I had a doctor friend who lived across the street from us when we had the twins, and she um, actually was our uh, neonatal doc or whatever when they go into the NICU or PICU or whatever. And uh, they were in there for a few weeks, and she lived across the street from us. It was super awesome, so we could always t- go talk to her about stuff. And I remember saying, I, are you sure they're not identical twins? She said, well, I think they're probably not because of them, sacks and placentas and blah, blah, blah. I don't get any of that. But anyway, um, and, and pretty soon, you know, their hair all turned blonde, and their eyes stayed bright, bright blue. And I thought, wow, I think they're identical twins. Look at us. Do, what are the, you know, the odds of two brown-haired, brown-eyed people producing Two simultaneous fraternal blonde hair, blue-eyed kids that look identical, right? I'm like, I, I telling her, I think they're they're identical twins, and she says, No, I, I'm sure they're not. And I said, Let me get. I, I remember from seventh grade, I can do this life science Punnett square. I can prove to you <laughs> that they are identical twins. So I put the Punnett square in her mailbox this one day, and she said, Why are you so sure they're identical twins? I said, Well, because I understand that for fraternal twins to happen. Aaron would have had to drop two eggs at the same time. And for them to be identical, you have to, the sperm has to be traveling at such a rate of velocity that it blows the egg in two. And I had used my trick move that night. So, and it's sort of a thing, well. I did. You grabbed the foot, remember, hon? She probably, she doesn't really remember. Some things... In the bedroom, you forget about. <laughs> They're not worth remembering. 
I remember when the doctor, she went into preterm labor with the twins, and, I, and, and he said, you have to stop with the trick move. Okay. I didn't tell her I was going to tell the trick move one. Some of these things you might hear again when you hit the premarital class, okay? Because we only have so much, you know, stuff. I think we will open it up for questions because we want to hear from you guys and see what you have. But um, So we'll have Evan come up. But before that, I think just one last kind of note on my end is I was walking this room and I was praying over your guys' chair and I thought, what an amazing opportunity for your generation that you guys get to look at what culture's telling you and see what everything has that they're throwing at you, and you get to be people that are completely set apart, that you are, you get to be different. You get to walk in this thing and understand everything that's coming at you and know that when you are in the presence of the most high God, that you can withstand any of these temptations and you can do it well. Some of you are sitting in here, you are rocking it. God has given you grace, and some of you, you messed up, but that's okay. There is forgiveness in it, but as Christ followers and people that are claiming to be Jesus lovers, we get to do, not get to do sex, <laughs> we get to walk out the, this life of purity that is going to be so glorifying to God that people are going to look at you and go, wow, you can have this any second. You can have this any second, but you can't always have walking out in holiness and purity in any second, right? So, all right, let's hear some questions. Do you guys see why I asked them to do this talk? No. Yeah. So we won't get to all the questions, but a lot of the questions are kind of coming in um, with some the same ideas. Um, several of them would, were asking for practical guidelines on how you would suggest to stay pure in a non-marriage relationship. What are some practical things that you guys think that, that as young adults they can do to prevent that? Should stay home. <laughs> Keep your eyes down at all times. <laughs> Hands in your pockets. Well, not well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, this is why we don't get invited to high school. <laughs> okay. High school can't handle the truth. No. Um, okay, so walking out purity, I think the first thing would be is, you know, let's just get in the presence of God. Let is, let's just sit in his presence and talk with him and get that relationship. We're not checking boxes. We're not doing the Christian thing. We're just going to sit before the Lord and let him speak to us, and we're going to listen, and we're going to worship him, and we're going to have an intimate, intimate relationship with a God that loves you, that delights in you, that sees you for who you are, and wants extreme relationship with you. Let's start there. Let's start with just that intimate, intimate relationship with Jesus. Uh, church this weekend, Pastor Stan's talking about Daniel, and Daniel standing firm. Mm -hmm. He wasn't going to compromise. And, and I think it, 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 this, this can seem overwhelming. And, and I'm, you know, I'm going to have to compromise. I mean, everybody else does. I'm, I'm not good enough. 
I've watched my wife has made this new this new thing that she's doing this year where she makes a promise to herself once a month she once or two one or two things a month where she promises she's not going to do this one thing because it's going to be better for the world it's going to be better for her one of them and I keep messing up on this one is she's not going to use plastic bags at the grocery store she's going to bring paper ones or she's going to bring a reusable bag but for her, one of the things that she's doing is she's making a promise to herself, and she's not going to break it. And it's, it's amazing. When you make a promise to yourself, how often do you just, eh, well, eh, it's just me. Hey, you're one of the most important people that you're going to make a promise to. And now, it seems like the world's telling you this is going to be pretty hard. You know, and I love that about in Daniel's story, how he, he stood firm on the promise that God gave him. So he made that promise that he was going to, he was going to, he wasn't going to compromise in that area. I think you really have to, you have to decide ahead of time. Listen, if you are dating someone and you are in a physical relationship and you're starting to touch and feel and kiss and you're not sure where it's going to go, you, you better draw the boundary line before you even get close to in that situation. So you need to decide ahead of your time, ahead of time, what, What's your line, and what are you not going to cross? Because if you don't, it'll be the first thing that goes. And you know what? If this is a relationship worth being in, then respect that. You know, if, if, we, would have, if we would have done that, I can tell you, do you think I still would have gone after the girl? Yeah. Duh. I mean, right? And, and yet, we have a tendency like, come on, but really, come on, really? You know Guys, if she's that important to you, respect it, and it will be worth it. And I think the last thing is find people that you love and are doing life with and get in groups that can hold you accountable. You can just be real with, this is what's going on. This is what I'm coming up against. What do you guys think? And they can be your biggest cheerleader saying, you got this. You know this is hard. Come on. We're persevering through this. We can do this. Find a mentor that you can talk with and say, this is hard. I really, really am struggling in this area. Find someone that can talk to you about it, that can pray with you, that can ask you the tough questions. We want to do real, right? We don't want to sit in these things and just pretend that everything's great. So find a little group that is a safe group that you can open up with and you can talk with. People that love Jesus, that have the same ideas about life and about what God's word says about things and talk with them about it. It's huge to do it in community. That's good. So a lot of the questions um, will go along the lines of feeling guilt and shame, and, and we've kind of talked through God's redemption and how much he loves us, but several questions uh, say, I understand that God forgives me, but how do I forgive myself? Sure. <laughs> um, I, I, would, I would just speak to it like this. Um, if the God who created you can forgive you, then that means that you have the capacity within yourself to forgive yourself. And so we're uniquely and wonderfully made, right? Like, like God knows every intricate part of our being. And 
if if that God created you to be who you are, that means that you have the capacity to forgive yourself. And that sounds really big and spiritual and, and theological, but I think that that's one of the biggest things that even in my own personal life, all the, all the sexual sin in my past, that was what I struggled with the most too, is I accepted the fact that God had forgiven me. Like that was that was kind of easy for me. What was hard for me is that I kept thinking about it. And I think going back to kind of what Aaron was talking about, those spiritual ties and, and all of those things, and it doesn't have to be a person. Like for me, it was pornography. And I felt like I had a spiritual tie. Like if you've ever experienced pornography, like I remember things that I looked at 12 years ago. And there were, there were moments in my life where I had to pray specifically for God to do something in me about that. And so it, it's not just about, we talked about it last week, not, not just about like giving up on things, but handing it over and understanding that like your self-forgiveness will be found in the God who created you with the capacity to forgive. That's good. I was going to say too, um, the enemy is so good at whispering accusations right. at us, like in bringing up our old, old sin. But listen, the only thing the enemy can do is he can whisper those accusations at you. He can walk by and whisper, well, you messed up here. But if he can get you to agree with his agenda, then he can speak death and he can speak murder over you. So we have to, st- we have to stop and say, okay, wait a minute. Let's expose the lie. Does the enemy speaking this to me that I'm not forgiven, that I'm going to live in shame, that I'm going to live in condemnation, that I'm not worthy? And if I take that and receive that lie and then I start speaking it over myself, you are unworthy. You are so unworthy. Then that has the power to take me out. But the coolest, best part is God is a big dot God, and he can completely take those lies, blow them up, and start speaking life and truth. So when those accusations come, be very cautious to not take them on and agree with those and let those just keep speaking over you. Say, no, that is a lie. I am worthy because God says so. And in the name of Jesus, I break this off. This is, has no power over me. And you, you, you plead the blood of Jesus over every single lie that the enemy throws your way to keep you broken and stuck and in a puddle on the ground because he has no authority. God says, I have given you all authority. That means he has none. He has none. Shut up, devil. Mm. Yeah. All right, two more. Uh, One would be, as a person walking in purity, what is an encouragement to continue in that even though you desire a relationship and to eventually have a sexual relationship someday? You guys, it, I know, I, and I remember too, I mean, you know my upbringing, you know what I was dealing with, and I was living in a fraternity house, I was 22 years old, I swore I was the oldest walking virgin on the planet. <laughs> I mean, I was just like, what is wrong with me? Why can I not land the plane? <laughs> Seriously. I, I, I meant land the plane, you guys. I didn't, I, you know, I, but, but the reality that I couldn't see was I, that point in my life was like that. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm 43 years old now talking to you guys, and I still feel like I'm 20. I, I, I just, and yet, so how, when I, when I look at it now, and I do look at the fact that she's my only and my everything, 
oh, Lord, I cannot believe you protected me through all of that. Thank you, God, because she was worth it. Every day, worth it. Every time I get to be with her, I don't have to deal with the fact that there was something else there. If you're walking it out right now in purity, it is worth it. All right, last one. Nope, not that one. Is that the Was sex that the toys? sex toys? Yeah. Right. I've got two sex toys ones. Ah, <laughs> you guys. Do you guys want to talk about sex toys? <laughs> Do you want to, are you wondering if it's okay in marriage? Go. Yeah. yeah, sure, go for it. Okay, so here's our general rule. In our, well, I was going to go with Go it, for it, girl. Um, <laughs> we, Get we, ready to edit in the back there. <laughs> We'll cut this. We like to have a lot of fun in the bedroom, and we feel like God has given us permission to do that. And so for us, whatever we both feel comfortable with, if we're not bringing in pornography, and we're not obviously bringing in any other people, and it's just us, Greg, me, and God in the bedroom, we kind of feel like almost anything is fair game. So spice it up, have fun. You want to have great sex in the 20 years, you might need a few toys. Just <laughs> All right. And so if you've ever accidentally, you know, pulled out the vibrator and it's like, (laughs) holy buckets, it's a hand massager, kids. (laughs) That happened. I mean, I'm true story. Uh, Ben. I love uh, it. Hand vibrator. uh, (laughs) uh, Massager. It's a. uh, Stop talking. Hand massager. (laughs) Stop. Greg has officially gotten too comfortable. Uh, this is why they ask us to do it, you know, because... Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Remember, it stays in we here, We don't even dudes. blush. We don't know. No, I, I honestly, like, so appreciate your guys' vulnerability and your willingness to just be honest in, in everything. And one of the things that I love about this is this is the reason we did this series is because at church, we avoid this stuff all the time. And... And we don't want to be a place where we're avoiding the hard topics. Uh, because like you guys said, like if, if you guys are dealing with it, we're all dealing with it on a daily basis out there. Why aren't we dealing with it in here? And, and I love this, this concept of wanting to talk about sex was all because of the fact, because we have talked about it in church for a long time, like it's dirty, like it's inappropriate, like it's something that we should avoid at all costs, when really there's, there's incredible beauty to be found in it, and, and there's so much things that we can, we can honor God in it. One of the questions on here was, was how does spirituality tie into my sexual relationship with my spouse, and, and we, we could talk about that for <laughs> another hour, but I think it's so important to understand that the two go together. That, that there is a way to honor God in your sexuality, in the way that you approach your sexual relationship with your spouse. And so we want to end the night with this, this way. Uh, there's a handout on your chairs, and it talks about sexual freedom. It talks about, um, I mean, you, you guys brought it. So, so do you want to talk just really, really quickly through what it is? Yeah, you bet. Um, the first one is a prayer that's for breaking uh, soul ties that Aaron found that uh, would be a, a really great prayer that you could pray. Um, the second prayer is a prayer for sexual healing. Uh, this is one that we found uh, in the um, Wild at Heart, uh, uh, Ransom Heart Ministries. Um, John Eldridge and his team wrote this prayer. 
Um, and, and it's it's bolded. The prayer itself is in bold and italics. And the rest is, is um, John's commentary about why this prayer is important. And it touches on a lot of different areas for sexual healing. And it would be a prayer that you would maybe want to pray multiple times through to to uh, to really feel that benefit, I believe. There's a question right here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's First Corinthians six thirteen through twenty, and I read it in the Passion version, so that's a little. It sounds a little bit different. Um, so here here's the deal, guys. God has this amazing plan for each of you. And he wants you to walk in that calling, and he wants you to walk in your giftings. And sometimes some of these things kind of paralyze you. So I know that this is heavy stuff, but this is a safe place. And some of you are in a spot here where the Holy Spirit's just been speaking to you about some stuff, and he's saying, hey, now's the time. Let's get before me, and we need to do some repenting. You know that you're walking in a sinful way. You know you're not walking with what God has designed, and you're rebelling. You're being rebellious. And he needs you to acknowledge that and turn from it. And I promise you, it is he's going to walk with you through that. There are some people in here that have gone before the Lord, and they have had sex with someone before, and you have, have, you have a soul tie, and you were tied to someone that you didn't even understand the why behind that. And God wants to bring freedom and redemption to that. We would love to pray over you for that. Maybe you're sitting in here, and you've experienced some kind of abuse. Same thing. We want there's going to be a prayer team in here. We want to lay our hands on you. We want to pray over you. We want to speak life and encouragement over you and that there is freedom in this. So if you're sitting here tonight, this is heavy stuff, but there is a God that wants you to experience him to the fullest, fullest. He wants you to experience all he has designed for you. And he wants you to be able to reach up to him and not have any barriers that are just making you feel shame and guilt which sometimes this stuff can do. So we're going to just ask for moments of just quiet that you can get before the Lord and even a moment where we could just pray. Maybe you just want to pray over him or we can have people come up. What do you think is the best way to do this? Yeah, I think that I think I'd like to do it this way. So um, first of all, I want you guys to know that this isn't something that like, hey, we're talking about sex tonight and we're talking about like sexual freedom and this is the night to do it and then we'll wait a year or two and we'll have another night. Like, please know that this is a place where you can come any week and, and, and have these conversations and, and be prayed for and find freedom. And not that's not to say, like, procrastinate and don't do it tonight because it's 9 o'clock and, like, let's get out. Like, do it tonight. If you feel like the Holy Spirit is nudging you that way, please, please be prayed for tonight. And so, so what I want to do is I'll, I'll have Jake put on some music. And if you don't feel like this is a night where you want to be prayed for, that's fine. Like, go out. Uh, leave if you want, uh, or go hang out in the lobby, like be in community, be in family. But if it's something like, would you stay in here? We're going to have a prayer team up here. We're going to have guys up here for guys and girls up here for girls. So there's no awkwardness and, and you can just walk up and you can be prayed for. But before, before we do that, I would just love for you guys to just pray over all of us and the understanding that this is not something that just a couple people deal with. It's something that we all deal with constantly.
Father God, Lord, this, was, this is tough stuff. But you're so, so much bigger than all of it, God. You love us all so much, Father. And you have a plan for us. And it's a plan not to harm us. It's not to hurt us. It's a plan to help us walk out the goodness that you have for all of our lives. In this room tonight, God, I just pray that if there are those that here that are hurting, that they'd come find healing and freedom. Lord, I also pray for those that are walking in condemnation and guilt and shame, that we would be able to learn from you, Jesus. We'd be able to look to you who gave us the gift that couldn't be asked for, a gift of grace that is so much bigger than what we could possibly understand. You, you give us so much love. How can we not accept that gift of grace? How can we not see what you would have for us, God? Show us that. Would you show us that? Open our eyes. Lord, I just pray that tonight there's healing, there's freedom, there's exposed lies, and that we can call those lies out and we know they're not from you. They are not from you, God. And those lies will have no more power over us. We thank you. We love you. And we give you glory, God. Amen. Hey, guys, I hope that you got a ton out of this last week's talk by Greg and Aaron McCall. Uh, I know that I did, and I know that in some conversations that we've already had, that God is moving in and through the lives of people. And we, we truly do hope that you know that College Age is a place where you can have these conversations on a regular basis, where it's safe, where you're loved, and where we want to help bring restoration, and we're excited to do it together, and that none of us have to do it alone. We love you guys, and we will talk to you very, very soon.